Today we're going to see the last healing story in the Gospel of Mark. Today's story is the second time Jesus healed a blind man. Why does Mark repeat another story of Jesus healing a blind man in his short Gospel? As some of you told me, Mark's Gospel is a short in length but deep in its meaning. Mark's outwardly seems to narrate the amazing act of Jesus in a fast and simplistic way. Yet, when you look into it, you find he has a serious and fascinating connection in his account. So why does Mark repeat Jesus' healing miracles of a blind man in his gospel? Mark was using these stories like two bookends to present his section on discipleship. The first healing story of the blind man we saw last week in Mark chapter 8, 22-30 was that Jesus intentionally cured the blind man gradually in two stages. The man had a blurry vision first and then later a complete vision. We learned that Mark was using the miracle as a, a parable to reveal the fuzzy vision of disciples of Jesus at the time. They knew, like Peter, the messianic identity of Jesus without understanding the nature of his messianic mission. From that point on, Jesus began to talk about messianic mission through his crucifixion and resurrection. Our Lord also confirmed that to be a disciple means to follow him in the footstep of a cross and resurrection. Then he began to travel to Jerusalem, and on the way, Jesus told his disciples about his coming passion in Jerusalem three times. In today's story, the second healing of a blind man is the last episode in the trip and the section of a discipleship. This story, so and the next next the next section, we'll see Jesus in Jerusalem. This story happened at Jericho, the last city before Jerusalem. Here we see more than another display of Jesus' power to heal a blind man. Rather, we see a drama and demonstration of a faith in this story. Mark portrays a blind man named Bartimaeus as an exemplary disciple. Jesus said at the conclusion, the conclusion of this story is a Jesus' commendation of his faith, that your faith has healed you. And according to New Testament scholars, Bartimaeus was a paragon of a faith in the Mark's gospel. Some called him prototype disciple. Others called him archetype, archetype followers. They shows us what it means to have a faith in Jesus. While the first blind man has a fuzzy vision on Jesus, Bartimaeus had a sharp, focused vision of Jesus. With that in our mind, let's read today's text, Mark chapter 10, verse 46 to 52. Then they came to Jericho, as Jesus and disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was a Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, 
Jesus, son of David, have a mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have a mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he is calling you. Throwing his clock aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Bartimaeus' faith is exemplary in three aspects. I pray as we examine three characteristics of exemplary faith in Bartimaeus' story, God will expose our customary shallow understanding, superficial understanding of our faith and help us to repent in our Lenten season with a conviction for authentic and commendable faith. So let's see the background of today's story. Where and, uh, uh, where and what was a body mayor doing? Look at the verse 6, 46. Verse 46, Then they came to Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, a blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Today's story happened at the outskirts of Jericho. Uh, uh, I want to see the map. Jericho was located about five miles uh, what is that? Uh, five miles west of the Jordan River. Do you guys see Jordan on the far right corner? Right here? Do you see that? Okay. That's the Jordan River. So Jericho is a five miles west of Jordan and 18 miles northeast of Jerusalem. At the time of Jesus, Jericho was rebuilt by the Herod the Great, who constructed his magnificent winter palace and frequented there very often. There are two interesting and important facts that we need to know about Jericho. One, according to archaeologists, Jericho was the oldest city in human history. Oldest city in human history. Two, it was the lowest city located below the sea level, almost a thousand feet, thousand feet below the sea level. We're going to see the, uh, that about the height of Jerusalem. Uh-oh, yeah, there it is. So, you know, uh, Jericho, if it was near, the, I mean, Jericho, that's where the Jericho is, if you look into the sea level. And then look at the Jerusalem. Jerusalem is about how much? Like uh, almost 3,000 3, feet in mountain. So wintertime, Jericho, I mean, Jerusalem has uh, snow, yet, Jericho is warm because it's a you know, low altitude below the sea level in the valley. Now, look at me. So, because it has a plenty of water and a nice weather, especially in wintertime, it was populated from very early time on. And Jesus and the disciples were traveling together with a large crowd today. Who was the large crowd? 
The large crowd was the Jewish pilgrims who were going to Jerusalem for the Passover, the greatest religious festival of a Jewish nation or Jewish people, which celebrate the exodus of a Jewish people, Jewish slaves from Egypt and the birth of their nation. Which was, and the Passover was about a week from today's story. These Jewish pilgrims today were extra excited because Jesus was traveling with them. And what was a blind Bartimaeus doing at the time? He was begging by the roadside. Why? Almsgiving to the poor and the needy was a very important virtue of the righteous people in the Old Testament. And it is a very common virtue in ancient Near Eastern culture. So, uh, a commentator said, presence of a blind beggar just outside of a city gate on the pilgrim's way was a common sight in the Near East. Actually, all the disabled people like a, a blind man, they tried to specially congregate the heavy traffic area uh, in the pilgrim, for the pilgrims. That's where they make a business. Probably there were many other beggars and disabled on the roadside here. To them, this is a boom time, most profitable business in a day of the year. Now, let's see the first characteristic of exemplary faith in Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus had a faith that sees Jesus. Faith that sees Jesus. When Jesus and his company and the crowd of pilgrims were passing by, Bartimaeus noticed that this crowd was larger and louder than others. They were almost rowdy. And he asked, he asked them, what's going on? And they were saying it was Jesus of Nazareth who was passing by. Upon the news, Bartimaeus began to shout. Look at me. Here, we must realize Bartimaeus saw Jesus even before he met him in person. Huh? Bartimaeus saw Jesus even before he met him in person. Where did he see him before? Bartimaeus saw Jesus in his heart. Jesus was in his heart. When Bartimaeus heard about all the amazing acts of Jesus and his ministry, to the sick and the poor, he saw Jesus as the only hope. He dreamed about meeting Jesus. He wished that somebody could take him to Jesus, but he was poor and blind. He couldn't go to Jesus in far north, and Jesus constantly moving. He had no one to help. The only possibility for Bartimaeus was a Jesus coming to him. I bet Bartimaeus prayed for today's possibility, today's opportunity, many times before actually today. You know, when we pray, our faith began to open up, and we are ready to see God. So when he heard that it was a Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, Son of David, have a mercy on me. Now notice what Bartimaeus called Jesus and shouted for. Jesus, son of David, have a mercy. First, Bartimaeus called Jesus son of David. That's the most popular Jewish term for Messiah. Even today, 
Israel's flag has a star of David. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, God promised David that one of his descendants will have an everlasting kingdom. So if you look at the 2 Samuel 7, verse 12, When your days, David's days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Thus, the son of David was used for the promise of a coming Messiah who will have an everlasting kingdom of God on earth. So Jeremiah 23, Isaiah 11, Ezekiel 34, many prophetic books called the Messiah, son of David, or branch of David, or ruler of Jesse, uh, David's grandfather. And though we must recognize this was first time son of David was mentioned in the Gospel of Mark. And uh, the other time was when Jesus used the same term to challenge Jewish people, leaders' assumption about that Messiah was a mere human descendant of David. Look at the Mark chapter 12. While Jesus was teaching in the temple court, Jesus asked, Why do the teachers of law say the Messiah is a son of David? David himself, speaking by the Holy Spirit, declared, The law said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself called him the Lord. How then can he be his son? So Jesus is insinuating the son of David is a more than a human descendant. He is a human, but he is a more than human. While everyone used the messianic term son of David, Usually, they meant by politically, as a royal identity of a Messiah. Bartimaeus saw Jesus not only a Messiah, but also merciful Messiah. That's the what Bartimaeus' face saw Jesus. The face sees Jesus, is the face sees Jesus correctly, and what does it mean to see Jesus correctly? You see Jesus' heart. And what is in Jesus' heart? Not just a majesty, but mercy. Mercy. Twice in this passage, he shouted, Son of David, have a mercy on me. Son of David, have a mercy on me. While others saw Son of David as a military political power figure, Bartimaeus saw the Messiah's heart as a merciful and gracious like God. This prayer of Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus became the famous, what? Joseph knows, Joseph Choi knows, Jesus' prayer in Christian tradition. Do you remember Jesus' prayer? I talk about Jesus' prayer from time to time. Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. Jesus' prayer has been most popular Christian prayer in the Eastern Orthodox Church and its tradition. But now it's a well-practiced, all over Christian churches. Actually, I use it, Jesus' prayer, very much and recommend it to everyone. You know, when I'm overwhelmed with my needs, 
when I don't know what to say or how to say, when my heart is heavy beyond the words, I pray Jesus' prayer. Sometimes repeatedly, at various speeds and pitches. So sometimes I say, Jesus, Son of God, have a mercy on me. And sometimes I kind of shout, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. You know, Orthodox Church Fathers called Jesus' prayer a noetic prayer, a noetic prayer, meaning prayer of heart and prayer of the soul. I hope and pray that many of us can use a Jesus' prayer in our last leg of a pandemic. We need to pray Jesus' prayer until we are convinced that the mercy of Jesus is mightier than any power in this world. Mercy of God is a most thankful blessing we have. You know, I think French people say, right, when they thank somebody, what do they say? Merci beaucoup. Thank you very much. And Spanish people also say, thank you. Gracias. Or muchas gracias. Grace and mercy, the greatest blessings that make us so thankful and blessed. I don't know what English meaning of the word thank you. You know, I, I checked. Not much. Not, not much in the biblical. Danken. I mean, you know, danken, you know, it's related to you know, German. That's about it. Okay. You know, mercy. Gracias. Now, what happened to Bartimaeus when he saw Jesus with a face and cried out his heart to him? He was scolded. People were upset with him, telling him, Shut up, you beggar! Verse 48 said, Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Here we see the second characteristic of exemplary faith, that is a faith seeks Jesus. Faith seeks Jesus. When faith recognizes Jesus as the only hope of one's life, faith runs after Jesus no matter what and how many obstacles are blocking. By the way, why was, why was this crowd was so insensitive and rude to desperate blind beggar? Let me show you their reason. Do you remember that uh, chart earlier that is a height of the, you know, the difference, the, the elevation height? It's almost a 4,000 you know, feet difference in the distance of uh, almost 20 miles. And uh, uh, by the way, one of my uh, bucket lists is to actually, there is a, a hiking tour from Jericho to Jerusalem. It takes a two days, guided tour. So hopefully, I walk a lot these days. I walk, try to walk 10,000 steps, you know, ever since pandemic began. And I realized, oh, this will prepare me for that the, uh, my, one of my bucket lists. And hopefully, uh, I'm going to drag some of you with me especially the stronger ones, so that in case something happened, they can drag me. But anyway, oh, I'm, oh she can drag me, yeah. I did a, a hiking to Masada. I will not do that again. But I think, you know, Jericho to Jerusalem, I think doable. So they are leaving Jericho to Jerusalem for a long, difficult uphill walk for next 18 to 20 miles. So their mind is already in Jerusalem. And out of, out of blue, they were disrupted by a blind beggar. 
and delayed. Do you like uh, your trip is delayed? You know, in the airport, when they say your flight is delayed, are you excited? Oh, yeah, I got more time to, you know, wait. It's like uh, when you just uh, uh, took off a long distance driving and one of your kids say that, oh, I forgot my cell phone. Oh, I forgot my phone charger. We need to go back. What do you do? We usually say, oh, time to learn a lesson. Live life without the cell phone. Or use mine. The crowd have their own reason, even though it was very selfish. Out of their convenience, they hushed him and even threatened him. If you don't shut up, we'll take your money from you. You know, some even tried to persuade him. Hello, calm down. Jesus will come back here again after his business. Just be patient. You'll get him next time. Please understand, we have to get there before a sunset. Bartimaeus did not stop, but shouted all the more. Here we learn a great spiritual lesson for all of us. When we seek Jesus, we are to seek Jesus like a Bartimaeus with his dogged, dogged determination. Bartimaeus cried out to Jesus against the convenience and social pressure. How about us? Do I seek Jesus only when it's convenient and agreeable? Have you ever saw Jesus desperately, doggedly like a Bartimaeus? The good news today we hear is that Jesus stopped. That Jesus stopped. His messianic trip to Jerusalem is a great hope to all of us because it shows that our Lord hears our heart cry and is merciful. At this moment, Jesus was going to Jerusalem to die, the most horrible death, and the Gospel of Luke, like Luke chapter 9, 51, said that Jesus resolutely, resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And his disciples were clueless in spite of his repeated warnings. And the crowd was selfish and blind. If you are surrounded by the ignorant, rowdy mob, do you think you could have a room in your heart to spot a, a, a desperate beggar? Our Lord did. And that's my hope. And this is what I believe when I cry, cry out to Jesus. Jesus, Son of God, have a mercy on me, a sinner. Now, Jesus asked others to call him. Why, why did he ask others to call him instead of walking to Bartimaeus directly? Jesus was a giving selfish crowd, I bet, including his disciples, a chance to learn and repent. I came for the lost, and I care for the poor and needy like this beggar. So should you. So Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they, these, those who hushed and almost bullied the body mayors, now bring a happy news to him. Cheer up! On your feet! Jesus is calling you! Now, look at the way that body mayors came to Jesus. Mark gives us a very vivid description. Our commentator said it, delicious detail. Quote, 
Here showing Bartimaeus faith that seeks Jesus, it's not just the seeking Jesus casually, but above everything and all things. Verse 50, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Why did Mark tell his audience and us, Bartimaeus threw his outer garment aside? You have to see this. This cloak was not just one of his clothing items. It was everything to the blind beggar. This is how he received the almsgiving from others. When people pass by and toss their coins, a blind can catch them just like you and me. And this is how blind people cut the coins. That is, their, with, with their you know, outer garment. They spread their outer garment. And they hear coin is you know, falling in. And they kind of keep it. So this clock means his livelihood. Everything he possessed came through this clock. He's probably sitting on the edge of the clock. Because he doesn't want somebody to, you know, pull it out and, you know, run away. That's a horrible thing to do, you know, to blind man. When Jesus called him, look at it. Bartimaeus was not hesitant or worried that he might lose some coins on the clock. And he tried to, you know, gather all this blowing and then go to Jesus. You know, you remember this was a very profitable day. Bartimaeus, when Jesus called him, he catapulted like a rocket, casting away all the coins and everything he owns. Why? When Jesus called him, Bartimaeus bent everything on Jesus. And he believed that he will be completely new. When you call Jesus, do you have the same expectation of a transformation? Now, what did Jesus say to Bartimaeus? Verse 51, Jesus said, What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. Just like you, when I read this, what in the world was Jesus asking the most obvious question to the blind? Didn't he know how much the Bartimaeus was praying and waiting for the cure of his blindness? The reason Look at me. Jesus asked almost seemingly a dumb, obvious question like this was actually to teach his disciples. Earlier, Jesus asked the very same question to two of his eager disciples. In Mark chapter 10, 35, then James and John, if you look at the Mark chapter 10, 35, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. <laughs> Are you scared when your children or somebody asks you this kind of favor? You know, do whatever I ask. And Jesus said, all right, no problem. What do you want me to do for you? You know, Jesus welcomed that. And then they replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Okay, now, while James and John asked Jesus for their status, Bartimaeus asked Jesus for his sight. 
While James and John were seeking glory, Bartimaeus was seeking the grace and mercy of Jesus. So here, who was real blind in this story? Those who are personally close to Jesus and the crowd who saw Jesus were actually blinded by their own ambitions and emotions. They were seeking Jesus in vain, while the blind beggar Bartimaeus was seeking the mercy of Jesus in faith. Bartimaeus was not seeking some special privileges, but simply a plain sight. So Bartimaeus said, Rabbi, I want to see. Upon this request, Jesus granted his prayer. Go, Jesus said, your faith has healed you. You know, the Greek text actually says, your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. Zozo, that's a Greek word for, you know, healed, actually saved. Soteria, soteriology came out of it. According to Jesus, Bartimaeus' faith was a saving faith. Here we can see Bartimaeus, you know, uh, authentic, effective Saving faith was not about reciting some correct confession or even subscribing to a certain dogma. It was his unrelenting conviction that Jesus can and will rescue anyone from their need because Jesus is a merciful Messiah. Now, what happened at the end? Immediately, he received the sight and follow Jesus along the road. Here we see the final characteristic of exemplary faith from Bartimaeus. Once Bartimaeus was, uh, yeah, Bartimaeus was healed, he did not go home, but he started following Jesus. And he, uh, and he had a so-called so faith that sticks with Jesus. The third and final point is faith sticks. Look at me. Here, NIV translation misses an important theological in rhetorical point. Now, ESB and even Old King James uh, Version caught the uh, Mark's intention better because uh, ESB said the Bartimaeus immediately recovered the sight and followed him on the way. Instead of on the road, he used, I mean, the ESP used the on the way. Following Jesus on the way is a common expression to describe life of uh, New Testament Christians in the book of Acts. For instance, Acts chapter 9 describes the Christians as those who belong to the way. You know, Acts 9, when Saul was still breathing a murderous uh, threat against the Lord's disciple, he went to high priest and asked them for letters to the synagogues in Damascus to arrest anybody who belonged to the way. So any, you know, the, the, the first description of Christians in the book of Acts and uh, you know, other people at the time was people of the way. People of the way. People belong to the way. I told you, there is a, you know, that one church name I coveted very much. It's a church on the way in North Hollywood. It is a Pentecostal church. You know, uh, uh, Jack uh, Hayford, 
the uh, composer of a majesty. Great man of God. One of the very few charismatic pastors and preachers I love. I dearly love Jack Hayford and his church, Church on the Way. I even went to worship at the church, and it was a great experience. I hope all the charismatic uh, be like the Jack Hayford. He's a great man of God. And the name of the church, Church on the Way. Church on the Way. This is that's an incredibly biblical, predate the term Christians. Now, here is Bartimaeus did not go separate. Once he recovered his sight, he didn't go separate away from Jesus. He stuck to Jesus. That's the third and final characteristic of exemplary faith. Faith sticks to Jesus. Authentic faith is more than problem solving. It's a lifelong love relationship of following Jesus as your master and shepherd. You know, following great shepherd, great leader like Jesus is the greatest privilege a human can have. Yeah, I said it. Serving Jesus is the greatest privilege. And I don't mean to be a pastor or work full-time at a Christian institution. We follow Jesus everywhere. Jesus is the Lord of everything, everywhere. So your work, your school, wherever, your relationship, as a Hedgin prayed for us, Jesus is the Lord of everyone and everything, and we follow him in every area of our life. Now, believing in Jesus, once again, is a more than conceptual truth. It is a continuous personal trust. That's what Bartimaeus showed us. Many people were healed by Jesus. Only few continued to follow Jesus. Bartimaeus was not the only one, not the first one who came to Jesus in the gospel uh, with a face and you know to, to, to be healed. But he was the only one in the gospel mark. Stuck to Jesus. Stuck by Jesus. And how do we know Bartimaeus became a faithful follower of Christ? There are about 30 healing stories in the four Gospels. And they are always, if you noticed, anonymous. We never learn the name of the person who was healed. Only exception is Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha. The most we ever learn is something like a once removed, like a Jairus' daughter. Yeah, but we don't know the daughter's name. These people have names, but we never learn them. To the New Testament scholars, the fact that Mark intentionally recorded Bartimaeus' name here confirmed that his face was truly exemplary and commendable because his faithfulness was well known among the early Christians. So people know Bartimaeus, knew about Bartimaeus. For Bartimaeus, Jesus was not just a merciful Messiah who solved his problem, but the focal point of his new life. Unlike many others in the Gospel of Mark who were warned to be silent about Jesus, Bartimaeus was publicly recognized for his faith, for he had a faith that sticks to Jesus. So his story is a paragon of a Christian conversion. He used to sit by the way, begging for handout, but after 
begging for mercy of Jesus. He was walking on the way and sticking to Jesus all the way. Uh, one of my favorite New Testament scholars, I mean great New Testament scholar, Ben Witherington III, sums up in the section of discipleship in Mark 8 to 10 in this way. He said, everyone failed. Je everyone failed Jesus except Bartimaeus. Peter failed to see Jesus fully as suffering and risen Messiah. James and John failed Jesus with their illegitimate request for power and glory. A rich young ruler failed to leave his wealth and follow Jesus. The story was written in Mark chapter, chapter earlier in Mark chapter 10. It was a Bartimaeus, not the twelve, who has become the image of a true disciple in the Mark's gospel. Now imagine what Bartimaeus ultimately saw a week from today. When he finally went to Jerusalem with Jesus, about a week later, he couldn't believe his own eyes because there he saw most horrible yet holy sight of his life. That was a crucified Christ. Bartimaeus saw the man-handled, mangled Messiah on the cursed tree. On the Good Friday, Jesus was tortured, ridiculed, crucified by sinners. Their body man's sight, I bet, was completely transformed. There he saw that in order to open his eyes and his faith, Jesus has to open his arms and had to be crucified on the cross. You know, C.S. Lewis once said this, It costs God nothing, so far as we know, to create nice things or everything. But to convert the rebellious wills costs God crucifixion. Now, Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus saw what Jesus of Nazareth, son of David, did with his mercy. Bartimaeus saw what our sin did to Jesus, God of mercy. He saw in order to heal us. Jesus was wounded beyond words. In order to make us live, he willingly died. On the cross, Bartimaeus, I saw the ultimate side of a, a mercy, ultimate light of God's grace to shine everything else. There his faith found the true north. How about us? Do we see the real and true Jesus, God of mercy? Do we seek him above our convenience and even against the social pressure? Are you sticking to Jesus? Or are we still sticking to our clock and coins? There's a Catholic, a Roman Catholic a, 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 a bishop, great preacher named Fulton Shin. And he made a, a, a statement, comment, that he said, I wonder maybe our Lord does not suffer more from our indifference than he did from crucifixion. He wonders if Jesus suffers more from our indifference than actually crucifixion. Look at me. Is it Jesus another star in your heart? 
or is he the only true North Star? I want to end uh, today's sermon with a true North. Do you know the term true North? You know, I came to this term uh, uh, a few, uh, uh, actually last year. And uh, true North is actually uh, actual uh, true. There is true North is a uh, true North is actually North Pole. It's a geographical. It's a concrete. But people who are navigate, people who are traveling in the in the ocean, and the people who used to use a, a compass, they are confused. The true north with magnetic north. You know, you think that uh, when you turn on the uh, compass, it point out a uh, uh, north, right? But it's not. It's a north. Yes, for sure, it is pointing out the north, but the, not the true north, because. The magnetic north is actually a degree different from the uh, true north. Because the Earth's magnetic field, if you know a little bit, you know, the basic science is a tilted. So if you don't remember the true north on the map, and they keep adjusting the magnetic north to the true north, when you navigate, you might actually miss the intended destination. This is why when you see the movies, you, you see the compass and you have map and they, they kind of try to figure out. Adjusting. So question I have for all of us. What is our true north? There are many social pressures like a magnet or magnetically pull us from the true north of life, Jesus Christ and his purpose of life. Are you pulled by your personal vision of life more than Jesus call? Are you pulled by the magnetic force of this world than mercy of Jesus? Let's pray.